is the soccer show on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Ryan Chapman alongside Todd Lizabee. Todd, good morning. How are you? It's good to not be rate limited today. It's great to not be rate limited. Also, congratulations on your uh, new gig that you uh, have applied for. Yes, thank you. Uh, I can't thank wait you. to see Todd uh, zooming down the streets of Las Vegas. Uh, they're going to love me in Bahrain. They're going to love me in Bahrain. Yeah, Sergio Perez has missed Q, uh, getting out of Q1, four straight races. Yeah, who thought we were going to throw some Formula One news here at the beginning here? But I have put my name in the hat. If Christian Horner wants to hire me as Red Bull's number two driver next year, I will do whatever it takes to get Max Verstappen another title. It's, See, we are so look, versatile. It's, the it's amazing it's how the versatile you game. and I are. It's the world's show. That's what we do. That's here. right. That's we're, right. We're also rocking with Matty Goldfish, Matt Branson. What's going on, fellas? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Good. Wonderful. Hey, before we go any further, a uh, little schedule update. Yes. That's kind of breaking this morning. Obviously, as you mentioned, we are brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. And Oklahoma City FC season finale scheduled for tonight. Uh, against South Star FC. So there's been a little bit of an update. They were going to originally play an under-21 game at 5 p.m. and then or at 4.30, and then I believe at 7 was going to be yeah. the uh, senior team game. So the senior team, South Star FC, the Oklahoma City FC were supposed to face. I don't know the exact details, but they are not able to make the trip. Uh, I don't know if it's a numbers thing, a weather thing. I have no idea. So... The team that the under-21s were originally going to play, the Kansas Rush, will now play the senior team. So it's Oklahoma City FC. It's their season finale tonight. The game time has been moved up to 5 o'clock. And A, that looks like a very good window for no rain. Yes. B, it looks like there's going to be very decent temperatures then. So a also, perfect chance to come out and watch Oklahoma, Oklahoma City FC this afternoon. What do we call it? Evening? Af- 5 afternoon, o'clock? Afternoon, evening at dusk. There you go. Um, there you go. Also, that game will happen on the Mustang High School football correct, field for correct. drainage. Yes, because we have gotten so much rain and are expected to get more rain over the next three or four days here in Oklahoma City. So, uh, yeah, get out tonight, support. Five o'clock is the kickoff time at the Mustang High School football field for Oklahoma City FC and the Kansas Rush, uh, which is based out of Wichita, tonight at five o'clock. Absolutely. Get out there. Let's close this thing in style. Yeah, it's it's been a uh, a fun summer, fun season of that. So let's close it out with uh, we've got plenty of room to pack in as many people who want to come hang and, and watch some great soccer at uh, the Mustang High School football. Field. And this would, I believe, finish uh, Oklahoma City at three and one, three wins and one loss at home this year if they could yeah. get the win tonight over the Kansas Rush. So, again, five o'clock. Uh, we'd love to see you out at the Mustang High School football field if you can't make it. Go to Oklahoma City FC's Twitter account, and they'll put out a stream link, and Ryan and I will be on the call on the stream as well if you'd like to watch. For sure, for sure. It's a silly season as far as weather and scheduling goes. Silly season in the transfer market carries on. Todd, we don't have one central thread or one central theme today as far as no. the transfers go. Why don't we start with the most recently kind of breaking news, though? Uh, which overnight here, early morning this morning in England. Chelsea are going to launch their first kit without a shirt sponsor. That's not oh, it. That's oh, not it. No, uh, it does come out that uh, David De Gea has confirmed what we suspected, that he is leaving Manchester United. They were not able to agree on a new deal. Uh, obviously, United have been in on Onana, and it sounds like that's going to be even, you know, even a, a bigger push now, which now... 
You know, we talk about all the time, whether it's NBA or transfer portal or anything else, using your leverage. Now Inter have the leverage, right? Because uh, United have screwed this thing up so bad with De Gea and drugged their feet on what they were going to do. So we'll see if they're able to agree to a deal on Onana. It looks like, you know, Manchester United are about ready to name their price to get him. So I would assume a club like them is going to end up landing Onana. And um, while I do think De Gea at times gets a bad rap, right? I think for every one of his howlers, he gives you one or two world-class saves. Yes. Um, I do think his distribution has been very poor in the last two or three years. I, I don't think he's a terrible keeper. I still think he's got some juice left in the tank. But I think Onana's really good. Yeah. Like, I think this is a definite upgrade for Manchester United. It's going to cost a lot of money, but I think that's going to be a good uh, good transfer pickup if and when that gets done. Yeah, just like anything, um, I think in the later years of Petr Cech, you saw this. I think you've seen it with a guy who we're going to talk about in a second, Hugo Lloris. The goalkeeper, if you have that quality, unless you have a horror of a season where you are mentally shaken... I think for me, as, as they kind of get a little bit older, it becomes a, hey, De Gea can put in one of those vintage performances once every three matches instead of, you know, every single week. And then the mistakes just look extra bad. You, you know what I mean? But it, it becomes the the highs stay as high, just not as frequent, and the lows pop up a little bit more. And I just think you saw throughout the year that he – still was very capable of being a not just a Premier League goalkeeper, but a a top-half Premier League goalkeeper on his weekend, one of the best in the league still. I think that for United, it's just just time, right? As this contract ends and and they part ways, go ahead and and go find you a a younger guy that can give you that consistent play week in, week out as you continue to build with Tin Hag and, and what he wants to kind of imprint on Old Trafford in the next couple of years. Well, and I was listening to uh, this morning we were driving in, I was listening to the Men and Blazers podcast, and one of the questions to Roger Bennett was what to watch for in the U.S. women's national team friendly. And he was talking about, you know, one of the big things to watch for in the buildup to the World Cup is how two new debutantes at Central Defense, how they gel with, with uh, Nair, the keeper who's been yeah. there forever. And I think it's... It's fair if you watch Manchester United to wonder just how well some of the new faces they brought in defense have gelled with De Gea uh, on that back line. And it doesn't look like it's gone well. And with Maguire probably on his way out, you're looking at maybe bringing in someone else. So I think this is a good time for them to bring in someone different. Uh, He served the club well, De Gea has. And I think I forgot how long he'd been there. Yeah. We were talking the other day, and I was like, oh, my God, because – you know, one of my first big memories as a Premier League fan was Man City going to Old Trafford and winning 6-1. And that was De Gea in goal. Yeah. And that was the championship season of 11-12. So that was his first year there. He'd been there a long time, giving him over a decade. I think it's it sucks the way United handled it with pulling the contract back after he signed it. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's probably best for both parties. Yeah, I mean, you, United screwed themselves up because they're going to pay out the you-know-what for yeah, none of them. Well, and, and here's the other thing is... Premier League clubs play, pay a tax in Europe because everyone knows they've got more money off their TV deals than every other country in Europe. Sure. Italy, at one point, were that country in the early 2000s, and then the Italian soccer bubble kind of popped. There were some hard times, and those clubs have not really recovered as far as their distributions from television, all that stuff. Really, it's been Juventus and... 
nobody else has been able yeah. to, to sustain. And so... Well, and even Inter, you know, they're coming off of a Champions League final yeah. season, and they still were having money issues. Yeah. I mean, there was a reason why Paramount Plus was on their shirt. Yeah, Last it, year. it was basically, and just in the Champions like the, the reason right. they, they cut that deal just to say, we can't wear Paramount Plus 100% of the time because of our TV deal uh, in the domestic league, but we need any kind of yes. money that we can get. And I think that's why you've seen outside of Juventus, as Juventus have taken a step off, it's been a different club every single year in Italy. And if you just follow any transfers, if an Italian club wants your player, they're probably going to bid... 20 million pounds less than what you think that player's worth. And if you want to go into Italy and buy a player, the initial posturing is going to be, uh, we're going to quote you a ridiculous sum of money. And then we're going to find out how over a barrel you are to see how much, how close that we can demand. Exactly. I think enter exactly what you said, are going to be able to stand up and say, you need a goalkeeper now. Well, there's a reason why. Uh, and I heard Fabrizio Romano talk about this. He would know obviously, right? There's a reason why the Italian League, the Serie A, and the Bundesliga are second into the market. Aside from Bayern Munich, you don't hear a lot of players linked with Italian teams, especially big players, or Bundesliga teams until later on in the summer. Because the first thing they do is they sell to someone who they've got over a barrel, and then they try to reinvest that money later on when prices are starting to go down. And get yeah. guys on the cheap. Maybe get some older guys. Maybe get guys who, you know, like here lately, it's been getting a lot of guys on loan. Yeah, for Italian teams, like they've they've pay loan fees instead of actual exactly. Transfer fees. They they have at the top tier used the loan system more than any other league in Europe here in the last few years. So um, we'll see what the price is, but it looks like Onana is going to be the guy. One other thing well, I wanted to note too, I was going to say it, it could set off a chain reaction because. De Gea leaving United, Onana, that's United's interest. Well, the, the rumor yeah. mill has started that yeah. Inter will then look to replace him by turning straight back to England and tapping up Hugo Lloris, the guy that we just mentioned it. A couple yeah, minutes ago. I want, uh, I'll tell you what. Can we table that conversation? Because I would like to have a little deeper dive on what Tottenham should do. Like, yes. Because in American sports, and just to kind of tease this a little bit, in American sports, when you're in a situation Tottenham is in, a lot of times, the answer is blow it up. Draft picks, baby. Right. The answer is blow it up, build for the future. Um, you know, Tottenham famously kind of did that by selling off Gareth Bale. Yes. And trying to reinvest all of that. And they nailed it, ushering in the potcher, yeah. right. essentially. Right, right. And I do want to have a deeper conversation about whether it's time for them to maybe do that again or not, or when we reach that threshold. Uh, so I do want to talk about uh, the possibility of Hugo Lloris to enter Milan and then what Tottenham do. Real quick, though, before we hit our first break, I just wanted to mention this. I don't know if you saw the news about Edwin Vandersar. I did not. Did you not see that over the weekend no. or, uh, I guess, over Apologies. the end of last week? Edwin Vandersar is in, quote, stable but concerning condition. Oh, yes. He suffered bleeding around his brain. A 52-year-old former Ajax and Manchester United keeper uh, was in ICU. The Dutch club gave an update. Uh, today that said Edwin Vandersar will remain in intensive care for the time being. His condition is stable but still concerning. Ajax shares this information on behalf of Anne-Marie Vandersar, Edwin's wife. The Vandersar family along with Ajax is grateful and deeply touched by the many messages of support. Uh, Vandersar, who had been the chief executive at Ajax until yeah. last season, 
uh, has been a part of or had been a part of IX's board of directors since November 2012. He played until 2011. Uh, you know, in his playing career, he represented Ajax, Man United, Dentist Fulham, and the Dutch national team. So he's certainly a guy who early on, when I first started watching the sport, was kind of at the end of his career. You know, he was kind of in a space like a Hugo Lloris is right now. And, uh, yeah, that was just kind of crazy to see. Yeah. Edwin it, Van der Sar had been taken to the hospital. And it sounds like it is uh, not dire, but it's not good. Right. Yeah. It, it, that's the stuff that, I mean, you're just never prepared for when you fire up a, a day or anything like that. It's like, hey, no, no, we have these names and these icons that we expect will live with us for years as whether they're around the club or retired or just in the ambassador role. And so it's always very jarring and uh, obviously hope that uh, that works itself out and, and that he's back on the men sooner rather than later. No doubt. We just did a whole segment on keepers. We did. Favorite keeper of all time. Uh, Petr Cech. Duh. Okay. Followed closely by Fa- Tim how Howard. About favorite non-Chelsea keeper Tim of Howard. all time. Yeah. Tim Howard. Okay. Little Timmy Howard. I-, I also have a soft spot for Brad Guzon. Um, I'm a big GG Buffon guy. Buffon is is really good. Um, I when uh, when I first started playing FIFA and I didn't really know much about the sport, my buddy would get Man United and I would get Juventus and yeah. Buffon would save everything. Oh, it was amazing. Just absolutely stand on his head. I'd beat him one nil and he'd have like 17 shots to my two. Who is the uh, Scorpion Kick legend? Oh, the uh, Colombian keeper. Yes. I can't think of his name, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, that was before my time, obviously, but he was, uh, I think as the kids say, he was a mood. Yes, yes. He was a whole mood. Uh, Was that, it was uh, Higueta, right? Yes, yes. Rene Higueta. I think uh, any, any, if we're going to do a segment on keepers and he was not evoked, what are we even doing? What are we even doing? You know who uh, Dylan's favorite keeper of all time is? Um, David Seaman. Ah. I was just thinking for the for the just biggest, tallest white guy that uh, little ginger sprinkled in there that I could think of. No, he loves David Seaman. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's Todd Lizabee. Loved, I guess. He doesn't play anymore. Wow. If you've loved once. Never mind. That's Todd Lizabee. I'm Ryan Chapman. Matty Goldbranson. Matty Goldfish. Matt Goldbranson. Excuse me, Matt. Apologies. On the other yeah, you're side of the glass, you're listening to The Soccer Show here on 107. on the franchise brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. On the other side, what the hell is Everton doing? Liverpool has a new transfer that has been made official. We've got some U.S. stars on the move, and we'll have a discussion about Tottenham Hotspur. All that coming up on the other side to listen to The Soccer Show. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. Number two of the soccer show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC. America! And the Broadway Clinic. McLaren has gone 2-3 at Silverstone, which means that Oscar Piastri has the chance to do the funniest thing possible and just fender bender Max Verstappen going into turn one tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> uh, a little formula. I like this little F1 soccer show crossover I know. we got it's going. A, it's a, a nice little... Uh, Bringing the world powers together. What if we did a show where we incorporated both and called it Formula Soccer? I like that. <laughs> what about just one soccer? What, just for- soccer one? Just yeah. Formula A. <laughs> I like Formula A. I think that would what be good. What about Formula Olay? 
Olay formula. We can make it, Form we can make it work. Olay one. Yes. Ooh. Nailed it. Huh? Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, real quick again, want to remind people about the update on the scheduling for Oklahoma City FC tonight. The senior match that was supposed to happen at 7 p.m. The under-21s were supposed to happen uh, around 5. I think I got those times right. But uh, there's only one match tonight. It's at the high school football field at Mustang. So not the normal soccer complex at the football field. The under-21s will not play. The senior team will play tonight at 5 p.m. against the Kansas Rush Wichita, the team that was slated to play the under twenty one. So tonight, last home game of the season for Oklahoma City FC. Get out to Mustang High School. Uh, it's all local talent, so get out and support all the local talent, your local team, Oklahoma City FC. Proud sponsor of the soccer show. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's hit a couple of just other news and notes from the world of transfers before we dive into our larger uh, a medium discussion on Everton and a larger discussion on Spurs. Um, Christian Pulisic looks like that's officially official. The personal terms have been agreed to for a couple of weeks. We've been uh, you know alluding to this, but it appears that Chelsea and AC Milan have come to an agreement. So. Pulisic will be on ESPN Plus for all of you that gobble up all of your Italian soccer. Um, I, I just hope that it's a scenario where he'll just get to play left wing. That, that's I want him to play every week and play left wing, and that's where I think I'm at with uh, this next couple of years of Pulisic's career leading into the World Cup. And he's a perfect example of what we talked about in that first segment, is an Italian team getting someone on the cheap, yes. right? Because he's been a, let's be honest, he's been a disappointment. Uh, the papers in England, I think, said Chelsea sell off American flop yeah. in Pulisic. So his career did not go well at Chelsea. And uh, there were moments, right? We'll, we'll always have Project Restart. Project Restart. There were moments. He he might have been the uh, the best player. It, not well, might have been. He was certainly the best player for Chelsea. And he was one of the most... Uh, the hottest goal scorers in the entire Premier League for uh, until he got hurt in that FA Cup final, uh, tearing down Arsenal's flank. So that, that was know, one of the moments that you couldn't deny whether you like Pulisic or not. He was scoring goals for fun for about a month and a half. You know, Project Restart was during COVID, right? Yes. And COVID didn't happen here. So well, that, that's why the American Christian Pulisic that was makes killing sense. it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. So good that Frank Lampard was like, I want you to have the number 10. <laughs> Right, right. What did, and at the time, that decision made sense. I'm with you. I just want him to see see the pitch, right? Uh, yeah. Which I think is, uh, look, if for a guy like Christian Pulisic, club career obviously matters a lot. But I think, you know, there aren't many players. You're in. You're already. I guess the point is, if you win a Premier League or you win a Scudetto or whatever. Uh, a Bundesliga title, you're already in a very small group of people in the world, right? But the there are very few people who ever get the experience of a World Cup in their home country in their prime. Yeah. Right? And Christian Pulisic is going to have that experience in a country that cares way more about the World Cup than whatever league he's going to be playing in. That's his hometown, his home country. That's where he's going to retire to, you would think, right? So for him, this is a chance to... Uh, build his legacy over the next three years. And I think he would have been dumb to go anywhere where he didn't expect to see the pitch quite a bit. So I think they're going to throw him out there a lot. He's going to get a lot of good experience. And I think, honestly, for him, that should be what every move 
is focused towards over the next three years. Yeah, and, and a lot of the interviews that he had been uh, giving the last, you know, two or three months, and especially during the Nations League when, when he was here, he uh, basically was just saying that I love playing for the U.S. men's national team. It is a nice mental release because it's a different kind of pressure, right? When when you're at a Premier League club, the pressure is trying to fight for a starting spot. Christian Pulisic is the star of the U.S. men's national team. He has pressure to perform, and I think that we've seen he is much more comfortable embracing the I need to be big time for this team and go perform that 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 hasn't faced him. I don't think I, I don't I don't recall a moment of him playing with the U.S. men's national team where I'm like, oh, the spotlight's too big for him right now. It's just been the wear and tear of the chaos behind the scenes at Chelsea. And, and again, we, we've mentioned this before, but Project Restart's the only time that they p- deployed him at left wing. Every other time he's been right. playing as part of a front two false nine, super, whatever. And, and I just don't think it's been a huge fit. So hope, hoping for the best there. Uh, Liverpool completing their overhaul of their midfield. They already had uh, McAllister coming in. They triggered the 60 million pound release clause for Leipzig's Dominic Schobeschlei. Yeah, Schobeschlei. Uh, I always enjoy watching him play. I, that Leipzig team is just this harder last to spell than Krzyzewski. Sh- yes, way. yes, it is. <laughs> Schobeschlei harder than Prisbillo. Yeah, you know, Bob Prisbillo is cake compared to yeah, some of these right. names that are flying around. But uh, I think good bits of business getting two young midfielders that can help uh, just do different things for Liverpool and, and give Jurgen Klopp a more options. But B, we talked about this at the start of this past Premier League season. City and Liverpool were entering this interesting uh, stretch ahead where they were trying to refresh the squad depth and turn over the squad depth while still competing at the highest level. Right. City ended up with the treble. Liverpool had just so many injuries and still almost despite that finished top four. Um, if you had told Liverpool fans the context of the injuries beforehand, I don't think that too many people have been super irate. And I think that's why you saw a lot of patience with Klopp as, as they took that victory against Arsenal um, and turned it around. Sure, and we've talked about it before. Was it a win uh, or was it the draw? Threw away, away the two-goal lead. Sorry. It was a moral victory. Yes, yes. We've talked about it before. Um, it's playing in the Europa League is a slog. Yes. Right? I mean, you have to have depth. And I think especially after what they went through last year at Liverpool and, you know, some of the guys who were quote-unquote healthy were older players, too, that they were having to throw. They needed a refresh in depth. And this is a player who... You know, moderately priced, but someone who you would expect with the amount of games that you would expect Liverpool to have next year is going to be out there quite a bit and see a lot of time. So I'm I'm with you. I like the moves that Liverpool have made. It's been shrewd business. It hasn't been anyone that I think they've just vastly overpaid for, and it's all been spots that they need depth. Yes. Yeah, it's the example, again, of when you have a manager, you know exactly what you want, and you've been building in one identity for years you know hey outside of maybe getting involved in the jude bellingham situation or anything like that and then once it was clear that jude was going to real madrid and the price was going to be ridiculous all that stuff it's just okay how do we pivot and spend less money across two players who will come in Mm -hmm. and help next year than you would have across one guy right Right. No, I, I like what uh, Liverpool have done, and I certainly don't think they are done. Correct. Correct. I think uh, it may not be any splashy move, but I think they're going to continue to add some depth. Yep. Agree. Agree. Someone that hasn't done 
anything other than request Deli Ali to return to training is Everton. <laughs> I understand. And we, we talked a lot about this in the relegation fight and all that. The finances at Everton are not good. They're paying so many buyouts in managers and directors of football. Like, it's not even stuff that you're seeing on the field. But I, if I'm an Everton fan, I can't be anything but doom and gloom heading into this next Premier League season going, you're hoping that just a, an entire summer with Sean Dyche and the exact same group, and maybe you can get a cheap loan deal or something at the end. Like, Everton need to quickly adopt the Italian strategy of how do we just survive this year so that we can try and turn our finances over and, and start bringing money back into the club. Um, They've got to do something because, I, you know, when you talk about who's going to go down, right, you obviously start the conversation with the three teams that just came up. Yeah. That's where you start it. Right now... I start the conversation with Everton. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me right now, just based on the moves that haven't been made, because none have been made by Everton, really, who's likely to go down? They've got to be at the top of that list. And I don't know. I felt like last year and the way that they, the way that they stayed up, I almost felt like it was a bad omen because I think there was, and we see this a lot with teams who stay up on the final day or stay up, at the end, hell, Leeds did it two years ago and got relegated last year, right? Uh, but a lot of times, that momentum carries over into next year, and the reset that you needed doesn't happen. You just go, oh, well, Sean Dyche is in now. He did a great job keeping us up last year. Let's give him a go at the beginning of the year. And then what ends up happening? You go back to playing how, you know, if you really look at it, how they played at the end last year. Yeah. Which is inconsistent and beaten badly by teams that aren't very good. Yeah. And and uh, and not getting any goals. I don't know where the goals are coming from for that, Everton. That's my big thing. Yeah, that that for me is the question. I like Sean Dyche. We saw what he did with Burnley and made Turf more an absolute fortress, which is why, again, I am just opposed to Vincent Company, not because of him being a great manager, but because I want my turf more to be disgusting football that no one wants to watch. And that's not what companies bring to the Premier League. Uh, which is good for Vincent Company. Um, so, yes, if he has a whole summer to drill and shore up defensively, things like that, I'm still not seeing just any light at the end of the tunnel as far as how can you score enough goals just to finish 15th and, and, and get through this really tough stretch and, and kind of bounce back up. So it, it'll be... It'll be a curious watch because I want Everton in the Premier League for all the reasons we talked about all the way down the stretch. We literally don't know the Premier League without a club like Everton, the new stadium that's on the way, all that stuff. But I'm worried. I am worried. Um, let's hop over. We mentioned it earlier with De Gea leaving United, United targeting Onana. Potential that Inter turns around and picks up the phone for Hugo Lloris as, as a replacement there. That was not the only bit of rumors surrounding Tottenham players that happened in the last 48 hours. Uh, Maurizio Pochettino, he had his introductory press conference at Chelsea. During the press conference portion, anytime he was asked about Spurs or was this hard, I, I thought he was pretty respectful and like, I'm just not going to talk about the past because I think it was kind of like a, I'm either going to anger my current fan base or my former fan base. There's really no winners there. Except for when in kind of the... Uh, you have the big press conference for all the cameras. Then you go behind the scenes and there's like the breakouts. Uh, he was asked about Harry Kane. This, this is Pochettino and Harry Kane. Quote, 
I don't like to talk about players in another club, but you were talking about one of the greatest strikers in the world. He went on to say, it's not fair to talk. It's not fair to say nothing. My relationship with Harry has always been amazing, which, of course, started a whole other round of the silly rumor that we've acknowledged is a more of a tabloid rumor than an actual one. But Harry Kane's out of contract next year, which goes back to the conversation we had last week, Todd, about if you're Spurs, what do you do with Harry Kane? Do you hope that he loves the new era and is willing to sign on to a new contract around December? Do you uh, just call up Bayern Munich and say, we need this much money out of you? We we know that, uh, or the rumors are that you've already agreed to personal terms, or do you stand pat and let Harry Kane play out his contract with the risk that Manchester United are circling? Pochettino will pick up the phone and make a call if Harry Kane's a free eight. I mean, it's a tough, tough spot to be in for Spurs as they're looking to kind of refresh the squad and, and turn the page to the next era. Well, this is where this is one of those moments where, you know, like I mentioned earlier, this is a big difference between American sport and the Premier League. And in American sports, your owners own the team and they own the team for as long as they want to, no matter how bad or how good the team does. Right, and, and, you're, and, and you're guaranteed to stay exactly in that league. Right, unless they, unless they do something, you know, racist or stupid or, you know, unless it's something like that where, you know, a Donald Sterling situation. Yes. Uh, they're Daniel Snyder. Sarver, yeah. Yeah, they're going to own the team forever. So for them, you know, not only that, but also as we've documented lots of times and talking about the difference between the promotion relegation and the American sports system is that you're rewarded for being bad. So you're out when things aren't going well can be to blow it up and to say, hey, listen, it's going to be a tough couple years, but we're going to rebuild. We will rise from the ashes. You don't rise from the ashes in the Premier League. You get relegated. Right. Right? (laughs) And your rise from the ashes doesn't take one or two years. It takes decades sometimes for these teams to get back up to where they were. See Leeds United, for example, who just fell back down into the championship again. So you can't necessarily blow it up. The only way you can quote unquote blow it up is to do what Tottenham did in the past, which is sell players, big money, reinvest in a bunch of players and hope that you hit and bring in a manager that is going to play a system, you know, and put the team, build the team around him. They did that with Pochettino. They did that with the money they reinvested off the sale of Bale. I don't think they are in a position to do that right now. I don't think they have the manager for that. But at the same time, I don't see any way how that they can do anything on the pitch that would make Harry Kane want to stay there. Well, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, so here, here's, here's why would question. he languish through this season and then re-sign with them? Yeah, especially as a guy that has given everything to the club, but he he is suddenly staring down the professional mortality of, hey, I'm about to start the back nine of Mm -hmm. of my physical prime. And when I'm at my peak, I haven't been playing in the biggest competitions. Well, he's been playing the biggest competitions, but it it was the, you get so close with the Premier League. I haven't made good runs in the biggest competitions, in the biggest stages, in the biggest Yeah, he he was so close. Which a player like him should be doing. He's that good. Yeah, and and he was, you know, so close on two Premier League titles, then Tottenham weren't able to kind of reinforce, and then uh, Poch gets that 
group to a Champions League final, doesn't win it. That's not the end of, or not the end of the world. Champions Leagues are a crapshoot, but instead of being able to to roll that forward, instead the the club hasn't reached those heights again. And when you look at this current squad, what for you is the biggest missing piece? Like, is there one position that you could go out and say if Tottenham get X caliber of player, suddenly they're contending? Because I don't think so. I think that they've got. Um, got multiple issues. They've got some issues in the in the midfield, and the I go back and forth on the defense. I don't I don't know if it's just because of how Conte has them set up, which is if, if you don't have a strong midfield cover right in front, then you're kind of susceptible to goals because you're wanting to hit on the counter. No one's going to question what they've got at the top end of the pitch with uh, both Kane and Son, but it's one of those scenarios where I still don't think that they have figured out a way to make up for. Um, not having like an, an Erickson or someone like that to connect. Hey, you've won the ball at the back. Harry Kane's an incredibly gifted passer, and his his soccer IQ is in, is just sky high. But you still need someone that can connect back to front so that he doesn't have to drop all the way in. If you want to, like he hasn't been, he's been unreal. But you can utilize him even more. He can be even more of a danger yeah. if, if you have some of the creative midfield play behind him where the entire playmaking onus isn't just on Harry's shoulders. I, I mean, I think Harry Kane would have done similar things for Man City that Erling Holland did. I think he probably would have had more assists, fewer goals, but I think he would have put up those kind of gaudy numbers. Um, obviously, for as a Man City fan, I love that they got Holland because of the age. Right. And Holland has a chance to be someone who can put six, seven, eight good years in with you if he stays with the club. Or you can sell him off and get more if he does want to leave. Yeah. Um, but I, the thing is, I just don't, I don't know how. It's a tough one because I try to put myself in the shoes of if I ran Tottenham Hotspur. And what I would, if I were there, you know, sporting director, if I were the person that were in charge of who comes in and who comes out. It's really tough to rebuild and not lose the fans. And this is another difference between American and, and English sports, European sports in general, is the fans know how to gather and show their displeasure. And because, because ownership is not as... Um, because ownership groups aren't as locked down as they are in the United States because... They can lose money, and they can be ousted. They know how to voice their displeasure. Well, there's also, in England, Tottenham Hotspur are not moving from where Tottenham are. Correct. In the States, you see, okay, so Seattle, your fans have stopped showing up because you're displeased with what's happening. Another billionaire from somewhere else could come in, buy the team, and say, okay, if you don't give me a stadium, we're just going to go somewhere else. Right. And we've seen that. How many teams have moved in the last decade in in the u.s there have been a bunch of them that well fans fans don't really have a way how do you show your displeasure in american sports you don't show up okay they sell it to someone else and you lose your team right right Right? um also also, you don't show up it doesn't really matter they're still going to make money because they'll just lower their payroll and get the tv money that comes in the two uh sports teams that have had the fan bases in america show out in protests similar to what you see across the pond are the Oakland Raiders, who are now in Las Vegas. Yeah. And the Oakland A's, who are, who are headed to Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And across the pond, they will not show up. Yes. 
and and it does hit the bottom line. So um, it's it'll be interesting to see what the next uh, what the next six to eight months have in store at Tottenham Hotspur. Are they going to lean into the new manager they brought along, whose name I still don't know 100 percent how to say? Postecoglou, I think uh, is how you say. It. I, I think that we just, I think we just call him Mr. P. We call him. Let's call him Post. Posty. Yeah, Posty. I Posty. like it. Little, uh, but uh, I don't know if they're going to let him bring in his players if if this is a rework. I mean, it just right now it reeks of there's a lot. I think there's a lot of parallels between Harry Kane's situation and Damian Lillard's situation. Yeah. In the NBA, as far as like, hey man, I've been loyal for plenty long enough. Right. And the results are not there, and I don't have much time left at the peak of my career. So do me a solid and get me somewhere. You know, and it's a little bit different because you get more than just um, more than just money back in the NBA. You get picks, you get other players, and you can afford to suck for three or four years. Yeah. And get a bunch more picks from that guy and rebuild. You don't get that luxury at Tottenham Hotspur. They've got to get something back now if they lose Harry Kane or they they run the risk of losing relevancy. Yeah, and... And what's so we've already done it a little bit, truthfully. Yeah, it, what's so weird about all of this is I like the summer that Spurs are having right now. Uh, yeah, I don't hate it. Forty million to Leicester for James Madison—that speaks to the issue we just talked about, as far as someone that can pull the strings, help him out. Seventeen point two million pounds for Impoli's keeper Vicario to already set up the replacement for Hugo Lloris. I like what that what they've done. Tottenham usually do a really good job of maybe they're not spending eighty million a pop per player, but they usually bring in good young talent that fits what at least they want to do. I think part of the issue too is the last two or three years in the post Poch era, they've gone to a couple of managers that are the exact opposite of how Poch liked to play, like the sure. high press, be winning the possession battle high up the pitch. Instead, you move to a Jose Mourinho who obviously will start at the back end and work forward. Antonio Conte, who does it differently than Mourinho, but is the same idea of starting at the back, working forward, putting even more pressure on Harry Kane uh, and Son to to pull through. It, it just makes it tough. And so, yeah, they're, they're in a really interesting spot because, again, uh, we talked about these rumors a week ago, two weeks ago, that Thomas Tuchel at Bayern, huge admirer of Harry Kane. Apparently, they've Bayern and Kane have agreed to personal terms reportedly. So, does Tottenham pick up the phone and play ball with Bayern, or do you wait it out where Manchester United and Chelsea have not bought strikers, and and United were the rumors a, a bunch, uh, you know, the last two windows. City were in there as well, but they've got Erling Holland, and now uh, Chelsea, who never would have been an option if the relationship between Poch and Kane is everything that everyone around England says it is. It becomes the, it makes sense in every way except for Harry Kane walking across to a massive rival. Sure. Yeah. I, I just think there's a chance. There's a chance that they could hang on. And, uh, and I know we got to hit a break, but I know there's a big difference between a reboot and a refresh, yeah. right? When you reboot and you bring in a manager like a Jurgen Klopp or like a Pep and you say, we're going to reboot the team around you, number one, you better be damn good. When you do that to begin with, because if not, you run the risk of getting relegated or falling out of Europe if you're one of the top teams. But if you need to refresh, and that's what Tottenham are doing, that's what the, the moves are showing they want to do. If you need to refresh, you've got to get a manager in that matches what you currently have, that knows how to utilize what you currently have. And we'll, that remains to be seen. 
but we'll see. Maybe they try to sell off Harry Kane uh, in the January transfer window. I don't know. That it, I guess at that point, teams would wait. But well, still. That, that would be the worst of all situations because then you've waved the white flag, you've accepted defeat, and you're going to get pennies on the dollar for Harry Kane because then it's, sure. it's, it's going to be like... Byron, teams will just say, we'll wait. Yeah, Byron picks up the phone and says, we'll give you $25 million so he doesn't go anywhere in England. But we're not giving you anything more than that because otherwise, like you you said, we'll just test free agency. We'll, we'll do that. So uh, it is a really, really interesting season ahead. I can't wait because Arsenal needing to – they've come in and they've uh, spent some money to add some depth to the squad. Can they carry on what they did last year? Chelsea are entering a new era. Um, Liverpool trying to just start the season healthy. What are they going to do? Manchester United trying to continue to build on Ten Hag. Spurs, the discussion we just – it's – uh, Brighton trying to maintain yeah. it, it'll be uh, one hell of a Premier League season, and I can't wait. That's let's talk uh, Gold Cup. Yeah. Let's talk Mbappe as well yeah. on the other side. That's Todd Lisby, Brian Chad. We got Maddie Goldfish, Matt Goldbranson. We've got, like you said, Mbappe rumors. We've got Gold Cup. Eunice uh, Moose is on the move. We didn't hit that as well. Plus, we have captains for the women's national team as they down under for the World Cup, kicking off here in what a week and a half ish. Uh, all of that and more coming up as we close out the show. You're listening to The Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic here on The Franchise. You're listening to The Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. The show, the soccer show that is, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic here on the franchise. Ryan Chapman, Todd Lizabee, Matt Goldbranson. Uh, let's hit some U.S. news and notes here. Can I just say this real quick? We talked to Haya leaving and Onana yeah. uh, coming in. Romano <laughs> says this this morning. Just thought this was interesting. Um, says agreement is Done with the player. Man United to send final bid soon. Man United want Andre to travel to the USA yeah. for preseason. So they, they want him to be ready for the preseason uh, trip here. Deal should be done soon. So it looks like Onana to United are imminent. Go ahead. Sorry, I know we're well, short here, on time. I'm, I'm going to toss something else in there, too. Um, the rumors on Casado have been quiet. It sounds like, Again, this is from Fabrizio Romano. The reporting is, at least on the Chelsea front, that while everyone else is doing all their big business, Chelsea are working quietly in the background. That's their goal. I guess they just think everyone's going to forget about Casado. I don't know. But Brighton, it sounds like, are going to try and hold out for 100 million pounds. The reason you haven't seen anything on on an actual bid being formalized is because Chelsea have agreed to personal terms with Casado. Uh, and Chelsea want to negotiate the price, and then whatever they agree to, that's when they'll submit the formal bid. So it sounds like they don't want to have the bid decline, bid decline, bid decline. So that'll be interesting. Is that there's Lavia rumors out there still with uh, Liverpool and Arsenal looking around um, before Mason Mount was official. Manchester United had said that they were looking at Casado. Uh, I don't know if the Declan Rice completion means that Arsenal are no longer interested in Casado. I, I don't know who else is kind of in the mix there? Cause weirdly it's been really quiet on the Casado front, but sure. that's, that's the other big midfielder uh, probably to move. You want to do some U S national team? Yeah. On, let's on talk about the sides? gold cup, the gold cup. 
You've got, uh, first off, Yunus Musa. It sounds like he's going to go to Fulham, so not in the Gold Cup. That's why a lot of the big heavy hitters played in the Nations League so that they could, A, get a vacation, but, B, guys like Christian Pulisic could get his deal done. Musa could get his move done. Balogun could work with Arsenal to see whatever that's going to be. But those who have been left behind will be taking on Canada tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. in the quarters um, Todd, for you, I, I know this is, it's a weird spot because this is the last little uh, competitions for Callahan to be the the interim to the interim manager. This is not the A team. For me, the way I'm looking at it is if everyone stays healthy, your Nations League squad is going to be the bulk of your World Cup team. And I want to see who from this Gold Cup roster can push, 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 push to be not just depth, but continue to put the pressure so that we, we get the best out of it. But how important is this to you? Obviously, we cheer for the U.S. We want the U.S. to win, but is this the end of the world if the U.S. doesn't do the Concacaf double here? Uh, no, not at all, not at all. I mean, I think it's you, all you have to do is look at rosters to know which one is more important. This year it was the Nations League. That's. Would you like to do the double? Yes. It's a little bit like, uh, hey, what would you rather win this year, the FA Cup or the League Cup? Yeah. The answer is always the FA Cup, unless you win the League Cup. And then in it's which the case Cup. you go, yeah, the League Cup is great. No, it doesn't. It would not bother me at all if the uh, U.S. men's national team were to fall. I mean, we saw we so Jamaica, for example, have much more of their number ones out there. Um, yes, and we saw the U.S. men's national team play Jamaica to a one-one draw with basically their B or C team and and a B or C team that hadn't played together. Right, it, it exactly. would just roll out there exactly. and, and give it a go. So, I mean. We we talk about it all the time. Soccer is such a it's such a random sport sometimes on who wins in these knockout tournaments. So I wouldn't be uh, like hugely upset if the U.S. men's national team uh, were to lose. But at the same time, I I think they should, given the talent they have, they should be favorites in every match they're going to play until possibly the finals. Yeah, I've I've been really excited to see Kate Colwell and see what what if he can kind of. Uh, roll this into some momentum uh, for himself because I, I just really like what he has kind of brought to the table at some of the uh, MLS and some of the youth stuff that I've seen him play in. And having Jesus Ferreira, like no one is going to hold up a hat trick against St. Kitts Nevis and a hat trick against Trinidad and Tobago is like, oh my gosh, this is the answer. You know what I mean? Like we all get that. He took 34 shots against St. Kitts and Nevis. Which is <laughs> incredible. But it is really important for guys, especially a lot. It, it, it's easy to forget. A lot of these guys are still really young. I, I think it's really important, no matter how crap the uh, group stage competition was, as far as St. Kitts and Nevis, stuff like that, of go out there and just continue to put goals into your account and continue to build that confidence so that, again, there's that competition when you call into U.S. national team camps. That, that, that's all you can really ask for. What's the thing we always say in basketball about he just needs to see one go in. Yeah. And it's the same in soccer. Like, guys will go through these stretches where it just feels like they cannot put the ball in the back of the net. Timo Werner did it for about a year and a half. Uh, he's still <laughs> doing it at times. <laughs> but, I love but, you, Timo. But, no, it's it's good to see the ball go in the back of the net. It gives you confidence. And while it may not be against the best competition, it gives you an idea to better understand, you know, where you need to be positioned and things like that. So You can only play the schedule in front of you, Todd. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I give him credit, and, uh, you know, if that's – if we see it in Summer League, if the only opportunity you're going to get is against the fourth-team guys for the Sixers, 
Take the opportunity, and he did that. Well, the flip side would have been if Ferreira had started both those games and gotten no goals, we'd be on here going, should we be concerned that Ferreira played St. Kitts and Nevis and Trinidad and Tobago and didn't look like a threat? You know what I mean? Like, fair, not fair when you had Pepe looking dangerous, you had Balogun adding different things. There is suddenly competition at the striker spot, which is important, important indeed. On the women's side of things, real quick, Lindsey Horan and Alex Morgan were named co-captains for the Women's World Cup. Uh, first off, deserving on them both. I'm about the biggest Lindsey Horan fan you can get. I, I just think it's really interesting how last go-around, heading to the World Cup, there was the discourse around Carly Lloyd and how she felt that maybe she was being phased out a little prematurely, things like that. Whereas this time, we haven't heard that around like a Mega Rapino, stuff like that. And so um, it's important that the U.S. is able to pass this baton without alienating the veterans on this roster because there are so many first-time World Cup players headed to uh, the World Cup here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I uh, I was listening to Roger Bennett talk about it um, on my way in, as I mentioned on the podcast. I, I, I'm really excited for the Women's World Cup. It's kind of snuck up on us. It's going to be weird because time-wise, you know, it's just going to be... Interesting to follow. Thankfully, for the group stage, for us, for the U.S., yeah. we'll, it won't be too bad because all those games are, what, 8 local, 8 p.m.? 8 p.m. local now, time. There's I no mean, guarantee that it'll... I agree when you do morning radio, but... Well, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, you know... Yeah, hey, you can come over. You can hang with me. Uh, however, I'll get to watch some of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, early live. morning, live. live. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it live. 5 a.m., but um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think, I think you know... We probably don't pay. We're probably paying more attention to the men's national team now than we ever have because there's a World Cup here in 2026. Yeah. And I think because of that, there's been less attention paid to the women's national team and also because they've won two straight. It's it, it's, it's a, a little bit like, yeah, of course they're good. We know they're good. No big deal. Yes, you want them to win. If they make it to the semis and lose, like no one's going to hammer them. But I, th I think part of it, too, is that there are so many new faces that we haven't had a chance to really bond with through a World Cup experience just because... The NWSL is hard to find. Sure. The Super League, the WSL across the pond, it's hard to find. And yeah. so I'm hoping selfishly that there are so many teenagers and, and young early 20s that are, are have the chance to be absolute stars. I hope that this can kind of carry a flag for more and more exposure for our women's leagues across the world. No doubt. I totally agree with that. I would just say um, I think you're if you haven't really watched since the last World Cup, I think you're going to see, much like in softball, the only difference is Oklahoma has gotten even better as yes. everyone else has gotten better. Just like in softball, though, you're going to see a lot more quality teams in this Women's World Cup than you've ever seen before. Yes. I mean, you know, they've got a warm-up match against Wales coming up. Wales is the number 30 team in the world. They didn't even make the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see when, when the U.S. plays Wales this weekend, a match they should win, you'll still see that they have quality players, you know? Yeah, so, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see it for sure. We're up against it. We're going to go a little over. Sorry, bosses. Real quick, before we get into it, we yeah. we've got on the EnjoyVision Twitch stream, Matt, you did say we had a question come in. Uh, yes, we did. This is from uh, Purple Nurple U. Do you think that soccer will ever become mainstream? I'm guessing in the U.S. is what he's uh, I guess meaning it, on that. I guess it depends on what your definition of mainstream would be. I, like, I... The MLS, not mainstream, 
I think the Premier League, for my generation at least, there are more people that I talk to that at least just know who the Premier League are. And while they won't watch it time in, time out, they're just like, yeah, I, I know who Christian Pulisic is, stuff like that. Um, I think soccer will continue to become more and more popular in this country simply because the world is shrinking. Yeah. You know, everything is becoming more and more global. Yes. And I think, you know, over time there's going to be more and more Premier League. Like, I don't I don't think in our lifetime we're going to see a Premier League team in the USA or anything right. like that or any competitions where teams over here compete against Premier League teams, you know, aside from the Club World Cup. But the point is, the point is like, as as we've seen football grow in England and other American sports grow in England as we become more global, I think it's only natural you will see soccer grow in America, especially when America is a sport that likes to have the biggest and shiniest thing, see the sphere in Las Vegas. Yes. And the biggest and shiniest sports stars in the world play soccer. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, they because they have more of a global reach than even a, you know, LeBron James type of player. Yeah. I, I mean, I would just say in my group of friends, and again, this may, this may be just me overvaluing just the, the people I talk to every day, but the guys that I talk to that would not classify themselves as either soccer fans or baseball fans could probably tell me more global soccer stars than major league baseball stars. Now, if you just limit it to us, not the same, you know what I mean? So I, I think it's just depends on uh, if you're thinking, will the premier league be mainstream in the U S will MLS be mainstream in the U S I, I think those are, uh, different conversations for sure. All right. We'll take as much time as we need here. Kylian Mbappe has allegedly told PSG he does not want to sign. He was going to give it the good college try to stay through the 2024 Olympics in Paris. That has kind of melted away. The most recent rumor there, PSG believe that Kylian Mbappe and Real Madrid have already agreed to personal terms and a contract behind their back. Todd. Do we see Mbappe move this summer? Uh, where, where are you at as far as the Mbappe sweepstakes? I don't think you're actually a sweepstakes because I think it's just Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid right. are bidding against themselves. Like you know, everyone else will bid. <laughs> I don't think Mbappe will sign on for anything but Real Madrid. Right. I think um, so. I think this is a situation. I mentioned the Dame Lillard situation earlier compared to Harry Kane. I think much like Miami with Damian Lillard, they're like, okay, we've made room for you. Let's We're going to make this happen. Yes. And so I think this is the, same, the actual Paul George situation way earlier correct. in his career with Indy. Correct. And I think what's happened now is Miami has made room and even like they're willing to wait out the Blazers. And if the Blazers want to drag their feet and take their time, Miami will wait as long as they need to. Uh, there's only a certain amount of time the Blazers could really do that because of other factors in the NBA. PSG can do it until the end of next season. If they really wanted to drag out their feet, they could keep them there until the end of next season. So... For Real Madrid, I think you when you have seen them not really go to try to replace Benzema in the transfer market so far, um, you know, early on there was talk of, oh, Benzema's gone. Now they'll be in on Harry Kane. They really never have been. Yeah, Ancelotti apparently said, I would like one Harry Kane. But I think they're, it's the same spot. I think that Real Madrid's just like, if we just wait till the next transfer window, yes. we might be able to lure both on right. a free. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Right, yeah, and I th I think that's and then I can the, pay whatever I want. In I salary. think that's the in a weird way. I think Real Madrid hope he waits till next transfer window, but 
if he wants out, I think that they have positioned themselves to be the only team that can make a bid for him. And I, this is another interesting spot. I think for PSG, you know, everything is so dependent on Champions League and yeah. everything was supposed to kind of wrap around the 2024 Olympics. I think it might be time to just throw that away and take that money right now while you can and try to reinvest it in some young players and see if you can hit it again later. Here's the other wrinkle with PSG for any other club in the world. I would say you invested a lot of money to Monaco for Mbappe. You've got to cut your loss. You've got to get some of that back to balance the books. They don't need that. They don't need that. Yeah. When you're one of the, the few clubs that it's not like a, hey, it's actually a sovereign wealth fund. It's just run through different. Like, no, 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 no. That is just straight up sovereign wealth yeah. fund for PSG. They can take a huge loss sure. and, and just say, no, we're going to be stubborn and wait this out. So, All right. We did a little overtime. We're in stoppage time. One more reminder tonight, 5 p.m. Oklahoma City FC, last match of the home season. Time change, so 5 p.m. tonight against Kansas Rush, Wichita at Mustang High School football field, not at the soccer stadium tonight because of excessive rain. Excessive Lack rain. Lack of drainage. Look, if you're cool and if you care about us and you care about soccer, you'll be at that game. Yep. It's as simple as that. And if you have prior plans, first off, loser, kidding. Secondly, uh, listen to us on the stream. Uh, Todd and I, we often talk uh Soccer, we love to talk OKCFC. We also love to talk chimichangas when we're calling soccer. Yes, we games. do. That was Todd Lizabi. Thank you, Shout Goldfish. Out to Maddie Goldfish for working four and a half minutes overtime. We appreciate 1 you. 1 p.m. today, uh, the 2016 OU Texas Tech game. Classic games. Uh, it'll it's, be a good one. It is yeah. classic game season here. I hope it's cut on. down. If not, it'll be well, seven hours uh, long. Yes, they, they, I don't know if Buddy trims them okay, up or if, good. Or good, if Learfield sends them into a clip. That one took yeah, a minute. I, but, that, yeah, they're all edited up. They okay, go by good. pretty fast. I think it'll take about three hours, 20 minutes, Perfect. somewhere Beautiful. around in there to get all the way through it. Beautiful. So. You can listen to that. You can drive around a lot as you head to Mustang High School. Listen to that and then come see us. Until next week. We'll see you guys. This has been the Soccer Show on 107.7 The Franchise, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Club.